I am so excited to share today's episode entitled The Busy Parent's Guide to the Best Ways to Recycle. In honor of Earth Day, I wanted to talk a little bit about recycling and many of the considerations that we ought to have around recycling when we make food purchases. So the way I'm thinking of this episode is as a primer for busy but conscientious parents on the basics of recycling so that you can do two things. Number one, do better in your purchasing and your recycling of said products. And number two, talking to your kids about how they can be involved in recycling Mm. and their role in making sure that recycling stays a viable option for all of us. Let's dive in. Hi there, I'm Amy. I'm a mom, a natural food chef, and the host of the Feel Good Family Food Podcast. Just like you, I have more to do in a day than could possibly get done, and kids who say their favorite foods are things like... Gummy bread. Pretzel, of course. Maggie. Ice cream, yummy. On this podcast, I'm using my 10 years of professional food experience plus real-world nutrition to help real parents more easily feed their families healthy food more often. Stick with me for tips, tricks, and actionable steps to start feeling good about feeding your family. I'm so excited to be here today with Ryan Metzger. Ryan is a fellow Seattleite, and he's also the CEO of a company called Ridwell, which we're going to be talking about throughout today's session because I think it will be really interesting to you parents who are listening. But uh, like any good parents, we actually met in a Seattle parents group on Facebook, and we connected over our mutual experience of having kids, but also our interest in sustainability. So I'm really glad to have Ryan here today because I think those of you listening have a similar interest in sustainability, what you need to know about recycling and making good conscientious choices, and then how to teach those choices to your kids. So Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Um, So we're going to talk more at the end about what this company Ridwell is and how people can learn more about it. So I just want to dive in. This is a little bit of an interesting space to be in, like running a company based around recycling. So can you tell us like, how did you get into this space and what do your kids have to do with that? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. And it's one I love talking uh, because it wasn't my intention to you know, start something like Ridwell. It was really, it, it came out of a project that I did with my son. Um, and he's now seven. And so in our house, uh, we had a room and I, I would imagine some of your listeners and you may have a room too, where it's sort of your getting rid of stuff room. And so you have your pile of the things to take to Goodwill when you have time. You have maybe some styrofoam that, that arrived. You might have some old batteries, stuff like that. So, so we had a room that was piling, you know, piling up. And you know, I have another a son as well. And, and my wife works. And we're very busy. So it kept piling up. And so I decided one day along with Owen, why don't we just do some research? He's a very um, kind of curious kid and into the science around things. And so we decided just to research what happens in different categories. And then we spent part of a Saturday taking a category somewhere. And so we really stumbled upon really the breadth of options there are for things that you can take to be reused or recycled. We eventually told some neighbors, because if we're going to drive across town taking our batteries, why don't we have some neighbors who may have some too, and you know, we'll save them a trip, and we're going anyway. And so uh, we started just sharing you know, what we were doing with others, and they gave us their batteries and their styrofoam and things like that. Um, and eventually, that became very large. Um, it, we gave it a name called Owen's List. That, that's his, his first name. Um, and so suddenly, thousands of people in Seattle were, were leaving things out for us that we would pick up. 
Um, and it was really the, the demand for that that we had and the appreciation that, that people gave to us that really inspired myself and a few others to start Ridwell, which was uh, a sort of a, an expanded version of what Owen and I did uh, for our own uh, kind of junk room. Awesome. I love this so much because it's so relatable. First of all, who has not driven around with Goodwill donations in the back of their car for like two months. I do it all the time. And we also have like a pile of batteries and a pile of old light bulbs. And I love this idea of consolidating the effort that it takes to treat these things well and help people like filter it out of their houses more quickly. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. all of us with kids like already have too many things as it is, right? Like we don't need a room. Full right. Of everything. For sure. And also I have a curious kid. So I really resonate with that idea of like, where do these things go and how do I recycle them? And are they recyclable at all? Yeah. And so I think that would be an awesome place to go next is what I'm thinking of as like recycling 101. Because truth be told, I try to live a sustainable life, but I don't know a ton about recycling beyond what I am allowed to put in my recycling bin which is Mm -hmm. admittedly quite liberal here in Seattle. We have the benefit of that, but I know that's also not true anywhere. So I think the best place we could start is just like, can you tell us a little bit about what do parents need to know about recycling? What is this concept of single stream recycling Mm -hmm. and how does it impact like what we actually do with the stuff that comes into our home? Yeah, I think even starting before recycling, it's important to know you might have learned when you were in school or, or whatever, you know, the three R's and there's songs about it and there's reduce, reuse, recycle. And, and those are in that order. Um, so if there's ways to reduce what you bring into your house, if there's ways to reuse things, those are actually better than, than recycling in, mm. in most cases. And so I think if you're, you know, making choices about what to bring in or you're getting rid of something, first look for ways to reuse something. Um, and we can talk more about how, how Owen and I have, have, have come up with ways to do that. Um, but once you get to recycling, that is, of course, better than throwing things out. I, I love this concept of reduce re, reduce first, then reuse, re, then recycle. And I'm so glad that you brought it up. I was actually listening to the Minimalist podcast recently, and they had a, a session on donations. And they're obviously, their name is very obvious. They're all about being minimalist. But yeah. they were saying the best way to reduce clutter in your house is to not let it in in the first place. And I think that's so true for waste also, right? Like mm-hmm. the more we can not bring it in, or if we do bring it in to find a way to reuse it, the better. Mm -hmm. But I think the reality is, is like, there are things that are going to need to be recycled. So I would love to hear more about like, what do we need to know about recycling? We've tried those first two things and we still have styrofoam and batteries and light bulbs and for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'll separate like alternative recycling as I'll call it, that is stuff that shouldn't go in your your main bin. And in Seattle, we have something called single stream as do most markets. And so that's the, the sort of current way of doing things where you have our bin is blue. And so you put things in that bin um, all together commingled. Um, prior to that, there was something called uh, multi-stream where you, you might have remembered where you'd have a bin for glass and a bin for metal and a bin for paper. Um, so single stream, it's really important to make sure things go in there that should. Um, and so c- cities will give you a big pamphlet with all these little pictures of things and um, that's fine, but it's very hard for families and kids and everyone to really remember all of those pictures. So what I like to tell people is there's really three rules that they can follow, and then they can answer most questions around, should this go in your bin or not? And so the three rules are, what is it made of? Um, an important thing there to note is that it, it needs to be only one material. So if you look at it and it has both plastic and metal, 
um, for example, then it can't be recycled because what happens in recycling downstream is they separate things into categories. And if it's multiple categories, it doesn't work. Mm. So it needs to be cardboard. This is Seattle. Again, remember it's different in different cities, cardboard, plastic, metal, glass, or paper. If it is one of those and one only, then you can move forward to the next question. So this is so interesting. And I just want to like put an underline under it because I think in my head, again, not a recycling expert in my head, I've thought, well, they're all going in the same bin anyways. So as long as it's one of those things, as long as it's made up of those things, even if it's two of them, then it should be able to go in there. But what I hear you saying is like the actual item itself needs to be made of one of those materials, even though all of them can go into the bin. Correct. Correct. Yep. Yep. Because what happens is a, a buyer will take um, bailed up metal, um, for example, and if there's plastic in it, that doesn't, that's not something they can use. Mm-hmm. And so there's a different buyer who will buy bailed up plastic. And again, if there's metal in that, then they can't use the metal. And so um, with single stream, it goes to something called the material recovery facility. And those are really, really fun to visit. We should talk about that some more later. Um, But really, you see them separate things. Um, And so rule number one is, is it one material? Um, And it needs to be that that subset of materials that that I talked about. Uh, So if you pass that uh, filter or or you pass that question, then the next one, is it clean, dry, and empty? And this one is especially important with food, uh, which I know you talk about often. Um, So think of, you know, if you have a a plastic yogurt container, um, if it still has a little yogurt in it, then that's not empty, nor is it clean. And so that would go in the trash um, because that can make uh, plastic, in that case, contaminated and not recyclable. Um, The one that's dry, oh yeah, go ahead. I want to come back to this later because I have a lot of questions about peanut butter jars. So I made a note for myself. We're going to talk about that when we get to the food portion. Yes, yes. We have a lot of peanut butter jars. So important. And um, I am guilty of not always doing this. So I'm glad you underscored that. Yeah, definitely. So clean, dry, and empty, rule number two. And then the third one is, is it three inches or more? And that's sometimes hard to know what, you know, everyone carries a ruler with them or has a mental model. But what I like to do, three inches is about my index finger length. Um, So a a common one there is um, like a bottle cap. Um, A bottle cap that's loose by itself is less than three inches. And so that should actually go in the trash. Now, a peanut butter jar, you know, sometimes glass jars have a metal cap on it. That's more than three inches. And so that one is okay. Because going through our list, it's metal, it's clean, dry, and empty, and it's bigger than three inches. And it has to be separate from the glass jar, right? Yeah, because again, those are two materials to to the first rule. I, I love this. And this does apply so much to especially feeding kids because peanut butter, of course. But something I learned when Ryan and I first chatted was this three inch rule, which I actually did not know until we had our conversation in a coffee shop. And what it made me realize is that I have been putting those like plastic lids from squeeze packs into the recycling all the time, thinking like, well, at least this part's recyclable, even if the rest isn't. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, this is not big enough. It needs to go in the trash can. So I feel like that's such an important one to think about ourselves, but also to teach our kids, right? Yeah. And I think telling them why is an important part too. Yeah. Um, the plastic itself is something that could be recycled, but what happens with the big blue bin is it goes to this facility and there's machines and there's people that try to separate things. And those things that are very small can just fall through the cracks. Um, and so it's very hard to then bail it up if it's that small. Mm. So what I hear you saying is that like things, 
an important thing to picture is like everything goes to one facility. It gets sorted there. If it's not clean and dry and empty, it can't actually be utilized. But if it's too small, it can't actually fit in like this big bundle that they're making. Yeah, it can't be bundled together with its similar type stuff. I love that visual because I think it helps to make these things more obvious, right? Like they're going to take one material, it needs to be just the one, and it needs to not have a bunch of like leftover junk in it, and then they're going to put it in a big bundle. And if it couldn't be, if neither of those things could be done, that it's one material that could be put in with everything else and that it's big enough to be done, then it doesn't go there. And, and also add into that, if it has a bunch of food in it, then that big bundle, can, the whole bundle can sometimes be spoiled. Wow. Uh, because if it has food and it smells, they told us a story when I visited a recycling facility that um, contaminated milk or dairy stuff can make the whole thing smell. Um, and that will ruin the whole batch of, of whatever is being sold. Um, so the clean one is definitely a, a, an important one to, to be careful of too. Wow. So I I feel like that's a great next step into like they bundle this up and then they sell it. Like what exactly happens after this bundle gets put together? Yeah, it's it's, and that's where the uh, people might your readers or your viewers might have read about um, things happening from China, um, who had been the main buyer of most of those bales. Um, And that was a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, they had been selling us as American consumers a lot of things that they would produce. And so it was very cheap for them to send stuff back. Mm. Um, and so they had been doing that for, for many years. Um, but recently they have said, your bundles have not been clean enough for us. And so we're going to restrict what comes into our country. It has to be much, much cleaner and much more pure in the type of material it is. Um, so that's put a lot of cities in a hard place because they haven't had a buyer or they no longer have a buyer that they used to have. And so other countries have picked up the slack. Some of it is domestic, which is great. Uh, Like in Seattle, our glass um, actually does not travel very far from from the facility that sorts it, um, which is great. And so that's much more durable and and sustainable because it's only moving a few miles. Um, But there's just different buyers throughout the world. Uh, Cities are searching for new ones in in response to what, what changes China has had. Um, and they're just figuring out sort of how they can create sustainable buyers for these these products. Yeah, that's so fascinating. You know, I am sure I'm not the only one who's never really thought about what happens to the recycling after I send it somewhere. Like, I just thought they take it to a facility and they do something there and they turn it into green toys or new glass or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that must be like a really complex job to actually break all this stuff down and make it into new material. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the first one is to separate it. Like we, we talked about a little bit and then you buy these bales and then there's people that receive those bales and then they do all kinds of things with it, whether it's the green toys, you know, example, or new glass or, or you know, produce fencing or whatever the case may be. Or my favorite reuse is Rothy's, which they make out of recycled plastic. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh, those shoes are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put my code in the show notes for anyone who wants to try Rothy's. They're so yeah. fantastic, but it must take a lot of work to make water bottles into shoes. I think about that every time I wear them. <laughs> so, um, okay. So th- now we know like a little bit about what happens with the recycling. So what is our part in making sure that recycling stays viable? Cause I have heard these stories and I've seen them, co- the headlines coming through that like a lot of what we think is going to be recycled doesn't actually get recycled, but it sounds like we might actually be able to have some impact on that. So what can we as individuals do to, um, ensure viability? Definitely. The the biggest thing is to sort things properly and don't put things there that shouldn't go there. 
because there's a combination of machines and people that that take things out that shouldn't. And the more we can make their jobs easier, what that results in is bales of things that are purely that material that someone will buy. Um, and if it's you know 20% of something else or 10%, it's very hard to find buyers for things like that. But if it's purely a type of plastic or purely metal or purely glass, um, that will be viable um, as far as I can see for both the future. Yeah. Can I be honest? When you yeah. wrote down this question, I thought like you were going to tell me something really hard I had to do, like email your senators and start a petition and like all of these things. But I kind of love that it's so simple, like just follow these three rules, which even your children can do. And yeah. you have helped increase viability. And I would imagine like sharing these rules and letting other people know and become better at recycling just exponentially expands the impact that each of us can have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's people who want to go even further than that. Um, and that's really where, you know, Owen and I started too, uh, because there's all these categories that can't make it through that process and can't be bailed up, et cetera. Um, and that's where there are local partners who will reuse or recycle things too. Um, and so also people keeping an eye on what are those other opportunities um, to figure out where things can go, whether it's, you know, helping community members who could use things that you're not using anymore or other types of recycling that could never be separated, um, that type of stuff too. There's, there's lots of other opportunities for people who want to go even further. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about that, like what some of these other things are. I'm using quotation marks for those of you listening, not watching. Um, and what we can do about them. So one of the things that you and I chatted about that was actually eye-opening for me was the way that places like Goodwill and Value Village and all of these places work with clothing. So I think as parents, we have a lot of clothing that our kids have worn holes mm -hmm. in or grown out of that like just isn't going to be utilized by even the best of friends that are taking hand-me-downs. Yeah. So um, what, what can you share about like the clothing donation slash recycling category? Sure. First off, I'll say that when we were researching, you know, Ridwell and Owens List and stuff like that, a shockingly large number of clothing and shoes are just thrown in the garbage. Um, people think that, you know, it's easy and, and maybe no one could use this and they're not sure. Um, and so it's a, it's a really impactful category once people realize that there are options. And I think that King County, where, where we both live, had a statistic, it was either 90 or 95 percent of clothing and shoes could be reused or recycled and don't need to be thrown out. Wow. Um, and so how that works uh, typically with, with, with partners around, around this area, first they have oftentimes local thrift shops that if it's something that someone would use to, to buy an affordable jacket or sweater or something like that, they will do that and it'll stay locally in your community, local in your community. So that's really the best that, that we can, can, can hope for there. Um, but there are also people who live in other countries that, um, you know, have, have less income and less means and less availability of, of clothing and shoes that would love things that we might not think are usable in, in our community, but could be somewhere else where there are, are, are fewer options. Um, and then finally, um, even if that's not a case and something like a, a sock that has a hole in it or something like that, or a shirt, you know, a, a cotton shirt that, you know, has a stain, um, there are recyclers for that material. And fortunately, the partners um, in, in our community go through that process of first local, then abroad, then recycling. Um, and so it's a really easy one to, to start collecting and, and take to those partners. 
Awesome. Something else that you told me when we chatted was about like even single shoes, they have like a system for reuniting them with other shoes. Yeah, that was a really, (laughs) no, me as well. And so that we visited a uh, facility with a a company called Savers who runs Value Village in in this area. Um, And they collect single shoes um, from all their stores throughout the country. And then there's someone in another part of the world who collects them and has a really, really high match rate of shoes. And it's amazing to think that, you know, you're my size 10 Nike that I lost the other one, you know, someone in Kentucky might have the other side. And, and, and so because so many come to this one spot, they're able to match them up. And then, you know, someone in Africa somewhere can wear my shoe and someone else's shoe. <laughs> if we ever needed evidence that the world is a strange and wonderful place, I feel like that's all the evidence needed. Like, uh, absolutely. Who knew? Um, so what we talked about kind of the low hanging fruit of like what most counties are collecting and what we can do about recycling them in the blue bins, at least here. Um, we've talked about clothing, which I know is a big one for parents. What are some of this like other category that maybe you were surprised about um, being able to recycle or to take to a facility that people might not know about or have as readily available to them? Yeah, well, there's many of them. Um, and, and really, that's what inspired, you know, Owen and I to keep adding new ones and, and eventually Ridwell. But the biggest one that we have seen in our house is something called plastic film. Um, and people don't know that name as well as other types of plastic, like a plastic bottle is pretty obvious. Um, but plastic film is a category of what I like to call scrunchable plastic. Um, but once you realize what it is, it's really around you all the time. So it's plastic bags, whether they be Ziploc or, or a takeout bag. It's things like uh, air pillows that come in a package or bubble wrap or bubble envelopes or a cereal box has the bag inside of it that the cereal came in. All that kind of thin plastic is really poorly suited for your blue bin because of the process of separating it would be very, very difficult. But if you collect it all together, um, then it actually can be recycled um, in, in most areas throughout the country. And that's one of the things that Ridwell collects, and, and we collect a, a large number of it because it's so common. Cool. And if someone is not in Seattle and doesn't have the benefit of this resource, yeah. would they just look up like plastic film recycling? Yeah, there's a, I think it's, I don't know if it's plasticfilm.org or something like that. They can look up on Google or Bing um, the website, and you can type in your um, zip code, and it will show you. Many times grocery stores have a, a bin. Cool. Um, Target is, is a common one. And I know Targets are, are around the country. They'll have like a bin for plastic bags and plastic film. And so that's a place that people can, can take it to. And one of, the things that's, one of the things that's so obvious about this that maybe people won't realize is like, it's actually really easy to just collect all of your plastic film in a big plastic film bag. Like the first one you get becomes the collector. Because it crunches down. Absolutely. Yeah. bags that I will share pictures of because I am a Ridwell customer. But um, if you don't have that, like it's very easy to collect them. And then when you go to Target or wherever they might have, just like take that big bag of them somewhere. I have noticed a huge impact since I started collecting those. And it's really eye-opening to think like how much of that would have just ended up in a trash can when it can in fact be recycled. Yeah. And that stuff is a great domestic processor too. It actually gets turned into like decking and fencing material. That looks like wood, but oftentimes is more uh, weatherproof. Is that the like track stuff? Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I've heard good things about tracks. I love that people are so creative to like take these things that we were throwing away and make it into other things. And ingenious from a business perspective, Rothy's this applies to also like make it actually quite expensive because they are durable and well made and all of these yeah. things. But it, I feel 
I really admire it from a business perspective too, that they can like upcycle it into yeah. is really in demand and serves people, right? Definitely. That's cool. Um, so other things that I know you guys collect are like batteries and light bulbs. Is that similarly like if you are, I mean, what parent doesn't have a million dead batteries from all of the toys? You just look for battery recycling near you or like what's the best course of action? For yeah, you? it varies city to city. So I would just do, do a search and, and that was actually the first ever category we, we did. Um, and for us, we eventually found a hardware store that had a, a little bin that we could bring it to. So sometimes it's places like that. Sometimes places will, like cities might have a facility you could take it to that the city runs. Um, sometimes a grocery store might have it. Um, so it's just a matter of figuring out where it is in your community and then saving them up and taking there. And if you want to take some neighbors like we did, you know, please do. <laughs> I'm just imagining you guys walking in with like big, huge things of batteries into like a grocery store that has like this little bin in hopes someone. Yeah, we've definitely filled up bins before. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So I think this is a great transition into talking a little bit more about food because there is so much here that applies to the food that we purchase. And I, as much as the next person, have this ambition of living a like life where I take my own glass containers and fill them up in the bulk bins and all these things. I actually used to teach a class on that at Whole Foods. So it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And truth be told, I never, ever do it. Like the barrier to having to weigh the container up at the front and knowing how much it is and all those things, it's just too much. So I think the reality of being a busy parent is like we are going to make convenience choices when we go to the store and make purchases. And so since we have the benefit of your much deeper knowledge than mine, I'd love to dig in a little bit on like what knowing all this about recycling, how does it impact the the things that you buy or how you buy things and how can we use that to make better purchasing decisions in our own households. Um, yeah. So I, I think uh, uh, getting back to our early thought on, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, I think in the grocery store, there are a lot of reuse opportunities there. But once you keep an eye on them, um, some are harder than others. Um, but if there are reuse opportunities in the grocery store, that's what we try to look for. Um, so a simple one that we've been doing for years, actually, is when you buy produce, which we buy a lot of, um, those kind of single-use bags that, you know, you put your green beans in, um, we bring our own. And so there's ones that, you know, we can use over and over again. We can put them through the wash. They're sort of see-through um, or they're kind of netted type bags. Um, it was, I think it was a stocking stuffer I gave to my wife many years ago. Um, and we keep using them and, and just bring them with, with us. Um, same with the bags that you take all of your groceries in. Um, that's a really easy one. Instead of the paper or plastic that oftentimes you're offered at checkout, you know, bring your own. And so we have sort of a kit that we bring. Uh, when we go to the grocery store, and I think it consists of the kind of handled bags that carry everything in, and then the produce bags that, that are a subset of that. Um, so those are a couple of reuse opportunities that we like to use. I love that. Can I ask a question? Because I always forget to bring bags. If I am in the produce section and I don't have my reusable bags with me, is it better to pick the plastic, which now I can know I can recycle some plastic film, or the paper ones? Is there like an obvious better yeah, that's a tough one. And I was just reading a book recently about, about plastic and plastic bags definitely have been like a big enemy in the world. And, and they're definitely single use ones are, are not a good thing to do. So could you reuse that plastic bag? Could you re reuse that paper bag? If there's a yes for either one of them, I would, I would lean towards yeah. that one. Um, yeah. And then you kind of go to recycle. And, and if you're not going to take your plastic bags in, but you could recycle your paper in your community, then I would lean towards the paper one. 
Awesome. I love that idea of like, there's a better for sure, or there's a best for sure, but there's also a better within like the spectrum of like, here I am standing in the grocery store with a kid climbing on me. Mm-hmm. And I happen to always choose paper because the small paper bags I'll either do for like a uh, field trip lunches when we have yeah. something that they can throw away, or the kids love to make puppets out of them. And the handled brown paper bags that we leave the grocery store with, which you is almost all you can get here in Seattle now, like and you have to even pay for those, um, those we use to like take out our recycling and stuff. So that mm-hmm. becomes like an easy way for yeah. us to reuse those things, even if eventually they're getting recycled, right? But yeah, I- and, and sometimes we look for opportunities in the produce section in particular, do you even need a bag for something? Like if you're getting a thing of celery and it's already sort of together, um, and I don't know what, you know, the checkers would say about that, but <laughs> so far they haven't said anything to us, but you know, sometimes you don't even need a bag for, for sure. Totally. I don't use bags for a lot of things, especially when I'm buying like something that's in a bunch. I can tell you what the checkers would say based on working at Whole Foods for so many years is they will tell you that's fine, but the conveyor belt that yeah, yeah, you check out on, it's actually really dirty. So like you would want to wash that. Wash it for right? sure. Yes. Yes. And, and if you're very concerned about organics, it like contaminates the organic status because like everything has been on there, right? So yeah. I'm with you. I know all that and I still don't use bags for a lot of things, but maybe maybe worth someone considering if that's the kind of thing they care about. Sure. <laughs> what about, so if I'm buying like, if I have the option of like glass or plastic peanut butter jars, is there one that's like way better? That one will depend a little bit on where you live. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, uh, Seattle is fortunate in that in the glass is an easily recyclable thing in our community. Um, it's also something that can be reused much more easily than plastic. Too. So in, in most cases, I would lean towards the glass one. Um, in some cities where they've actually cut glass recycling, um, if those cities have kept plastic, then I would probably lean towards the plastic one. Um, because that would be an alternative to glass going in the landfill, which is uh, pretty wasteful. Yeah, so a little bit more nuanced. Something else I was thinking about earlier, I said we were going to come back to peanut butter because I think peanut butter jars are one of the hardest things to get to meet your criteria and that they're clean, dry, and empty. That's like so hard. But Definitely. I like glass ones because I can put them through the dishwasher and then they are clean, dry, and empty. Like if I've done the pre-work and then I just run them through. And That's what we do, yeah. And we look for opportunities where there's maybe a little bit of a corner of the dishwasher where, you know, we're running through it anyway. And so there's not, you know, I, would, like the, I wouldn't want to do a full load of dishes just to get your peanut butter jar clean. For sure. Um, but if you can, you know, you're using the water anyway for uh, up to your dishes, um, definitely put the glass peanut butter jar in there and, and it'll come up clean. Yes, that's a really good point. Running a full dishwasher and obviously like a key consideration in sustainability. When this comes out, I'm also going to share a meme that I had that was very popular because it talks about like how much more efficient dishwashers are than washing by hand. And I feel like that is all the justification I need as a busy parent to <laughs> fill my dishwasher every single night and run it. So yeah. do it full, but use your dishwasher. No shame in that. Yeah. Um, Something else that we talked about that might be of interest to folks listening is around like these packaged meal kits that are getting so popular now. Mm-hmm. And they come with like lots of plastic. And I know that that's concerning for a lot of people. As you were talking about the reuse, I think like I, I really like Sun Basket because they send most of their stuff in like containers that I can actually reuse and mm-hmm. reuse for crafts. And I was just storing googly eyes in a small one of them. But do you have any thoughts on like what to look for if you are in that weird space of like, I need some help getting dinner made, but 
I don't want to create a whole bunch of waste either. Yeah, and we've gone through several meal kits um, too, and, and, and they're not all created equally. Um, so looking to see what material they use, is it recyclable, can it be reused? Um, oftentimes the cooler packs are one, there's different ways that those can be made. Mm. Um, so with Sunbasco, which I often use too, um, there the inside of the cooler pack is compostable, and then the outside of it can be recycled as plastic film, uh, which is something that, that, that we take with Bridwell. Um, others are not that way. And so you're having this wasteful sort of gel pack thing that can't go into recycling and, and must be thrown out. Um, so that's one to, to kind of keep an eye on. There's also a lot of plastic film that goes through those too. So if it is something that you're able to save and, and take someplace or have us pick up, um, meal, pack, meal kits are a way where a lot of that is, is collecting. I love that idea of being able to alleviate some of the guilt around this because I know people tell me all the time, like, I just feel so bad about all the waste. And yes, reducing is always best. But also there's this delicate balance of like trying to feed your family well and also do right by the environment. And I don't think that there's any clear answer. But I know for me, a lot of what you've shared here, these considerations is going to be helpful in making more informed decisions that aren't just like so black and white. Definitely. And I, I think with meal kits in particular, there are choices those companies can make to provide more sustainable options in their packaging. And so if we and consumers vote with our wallets and, and go to the ones that have made those choices, then hopefully eventually they all will, will use them. And, you know, maybe there's even reusable ones. I mean, that's really the even better option, right? Where, you know, someone could collect all of those reusable gel packs and bring them back to them and they could reuse them over and over again. Um, that's a better place than even what we have today. But definitely vote with your wallet. And if there's something you're not happy with, look for one that does a better job of it. Yeah, I love that idea. So I'm going to ask you a few like quick fire questions about specific things in the kitchen. I did a mental tally of all the things that I'm like going through in my kitchen on a regular basis. And maybe you can give me some insight into whether I can recycle them or not. Sure. Um, So is aluminum foil recyclable? Aluminum is a recycled material. To remember those three questions. Is it a material? Yes, aluminum is. Is it clean, dry, and empty? That is one where aluminum oftentimes fails the test. Um, So if it has like pizza cheese on it or something like that, throw it in the garbage because it will fail that. Um, And then the third one is, is it bigger than three inches? Um, So like if you kind of ball it up and it's really a tiny, tiny piece, then I would just throw it out. But if it's a larger piece that is the first two, then yes, it could be. Okay, awesome. How about, um, we talked about plastic film, but what about like uh, saran wrap type materials? Um, saran wrap is a type of plastic wrap that is unfortunately not recyclable. Now, plastic, there is a type of plastic wrap that is. So imagine like you go to Costco and you get toilet paper and it's in that type of wrapping there. That one is a plastic film type, but they're really sort of stretchy, more kind of spongy type. Um, That has a different type of plastic in it. And so that one is not. So you're talking about the Costco one, you're talking about more like commercial kitchen style. Um, no, it's, it's, it's more like the kind of sponginess to it is, is the difference Okay. Um, where the like really spongy saran wrap type, it's kind of sticky. Um, that one is not, but if it's like a wrap, um, that is not sticky, then that can be plastic film recycled. Okay. Good. As long as it's clean. I, I will put some of my favorite plastic wrap alternatives in the show notes for this episode. There are lots of them for sure. Yeah. Some amazing ones now, um, those like beeswax ones come to mind. I also, I just really stock up on like glass containers so that I almost never find a need for plastic wrap. Absolutely, yeah. 
Lots of Pyrexes in our house. I actually don't even think I have any plastic wrap in my house right now. And I cook a lot. So that's telling you something. There are lots of alternatives. Um, I heard you say that Ziploc bags can go in that plastic film recycling. Is that true? Yep. Just make sure they're clean. They didn't have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in them or something like that. But if they're clean, yes, they can go in plastic. Do you have a favorite alternative to Ziploc bags? I got to imagine you guys aren't using a ton of those at home. We don't use a ton. I mean, there are times we're practical too. Sometimes it's the best alternative you have. Like if you're giving your kid nuts or something like that, um, that's something where we still will use them. We've used sometimes for like a sandwich, um, those beeswax um, things that you can put like a sandwich on one side and then kind of close it and then kind of hold it together and it sort of molds temporarily. Um, We use that for sandwiches sometimes. Cool. I really love, uh, and I'll put a link to these too, these like um, paper ones that I got from Whole Foods a while ago. And they even have like a little sticky strip. It's just like a little 3M strip that holds it closed and they're compostable Mm -hmm. and recyclable. And then obviously they have to be clean and all of those things, but those ones are really good. And then um, I've heard lots of good things about stasher bags and that's on my list of things to get that are like made Mm -hmm. out of silicone and you can just use them over and over again and throw them in the washer and stuff. Um, what about, not that I have a lot of these, but what about wine corks? Yeah, that, that's a good one. And that's one that um, with Ridball, we have four categories that we do all the time. And then we have a fifth that rotates. So wine corks has been a very popular rotating category. Cool. Um, so it would, it would fail several of those um, kind of rules we went through. Cork is not one of the main materials. It's also smaller than three inches. Um, but it's one that you can take somewhere that will recycle it into new corks. And so if that happens, then less, and cork I actually learned comes from the bark of trees. Um, so the more that gets recycled, the fewer trees bark they need to take off and turn it into new cork. Um, so there's oftentimes grocery stores or wine stores that will have a collection. There's a few organizations that kind of power those and are the processor of them. Cool. Um, so I would look, PCC is one in, in our local area that, that has a cork collection bin. Um, so that's one or, or definitely Ridwell has picked that up and definitely will. So again, I I think like corks and those kinds of things are also a great example of like, just finding a way to let your kids help collect them. Like, is there a container they can put them in and they can help bring it to the store and those kinds of things and involving your kids and making it a little bit more fun and also teaching them that these come from trees and that's why we are careful with them and how to reuse them. And, Mm -hmm. um, Definitely like a lot of Whole Foods locations also will collect the corks. So I would just keep your eyes peeled, even if you're not in a Ridwell service area to be able to. Yeah. Those, a lot of crafts, a lot of people that do arts and crafts have used corks for different things too. So if there's not a collection spot, maybe there's a crafts and crafts organization or someone who builds things on Etsy or something like that. Um, we found someone locally in our neighborhood that was doing that. And so um, that was another alternative to, to throwing them away. What a great idea. I never think about that. But of course, someone needs those, right? Someone much sure. more creative than I. Yeah. <laughs> what other food things have you been surprised by when it comes to recycling? Um, I'm thinking like milk cartons, styrofoam, squeeze packs, like anything that's like, you've been like, wow, I really had no idea about that. And other people should know this. Yeah, a lot of the cartons, um, you need to be careful because there's two materials. Um, so is it a paper carton with a plastic lid? Mm-hmm. And so in that scenario, you'd want to take the lid off and, and recycle the paper um, part of it by itself. Uh, styrofoam. Little, sorry, a question it, about that. This is a question I've had for a long time. I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> the, so, okay, I'm picturing a milk carton, right? Like it's it's made out of Tetra Pak or whatever. And it has like the plastic attacher and then a plastic lid on top of it. Mm-hmm. 
do I need to take that plastic attacher thing out? Can I even do that to be able to? Yeah. You, so like uh, uh, an example I give people often is like a broth container. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It has chicken broth in it or something like that. So in that scenario, the Tetra Bach piece, that is a paper form that is recyclable. So you would want to take off the plastic lid and then what the lid uh, gets screwed onto. Um, and that's pretty easy to do. Usually you just rip it with a couple fingers and, and, and take that piece off and then send the, send that, the lid, the lid and the part the lid attaches to that's smaller than three inches. So that goes in the garbage, but the pack itself can be recycled as paper. Cool. Okay. Styrofoam. Yep. Styrofoam still shows up at our houses, unfortunately. Um, and it's a shame because if you send it to a landfill, it stays there forever. Um, there's estimates of millions of years that, that styrofoam will, will, will persist for. Um, but in, in most major cities, there is a place that will recycle it. At, and there is one in Seattle. It's down about 45 minutes south of where we are now in Kent. Um, and so there's a place that will recycle it. And it's a really, uh, that's one where Owen and I toured together. We saw how it works and and they actually, um, I learned recently, they heat it up and shrink it down. And so it's a 90 to one ratio. Um, and then they take those much more dense um, forms of styrofoam and then turn those into new things um, like molding for picture frames and, and, and that you can have around your house, stuff like that. Cool. That's but awesome. definitely do not put it in your main recycling bin because it would not survive that journey that we talked about. It would break apart and it's definitely something they can't take in main recycling. Yeah, so you're actually doing worse through this. I've heard this term aspirational recycling, like, oh, I'll just throw it in and someone will do something with it. But you're actually like harming the entire recycling ecosystem yep. by trying to do that. Absolutely. And and now more than ever with some of that um, China changes that we talked about. Yeah. yeah. So fascinating. Okay. What about like those kids squeeze packs or juice boxes or those kinds of things? Like anything, any tips on recycling, those kinds of things? Um, I really like not to buy, but kids. Yeah, no. Well, I have seen reusable ones. Um, so that's, that's an option too. And that's a cool idea where you could then buy buy or even make your own of the squeezable stuff inside, um, where you can fill them and squeeze them and reuse them. So if there's something like that, check it out. I think those are a really cool idea. Um, there are recycling options sometimes with a group called TerraCycle, um, and so they are an organization that's, that's been a, definitely a, a leader in the space of, of making more things recyclable, where you can work with a brand who produces them and that brand will help pay for the recycling of, of their stuff. Okay. Um, so sometimes they'll have juice box. They call them brigades sometimes uh, because you try to collect them and send them off to this, this company. So take a look at TerraCycle for, for options there. TerraCycle. Awesome. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So by way of wrap up, I would love to just touch on like, do you have any tips for the parents listening around how they can start getting their kids more involved in recycling? Yeah, I think one thing that they can do, which is a fun sort of parent-kid activity that, that Owen and I did several times, is are there opportunities to take your kids on tours of these facilities that uh, might sort of show them up close how things work and why it's important to do the right thing with stuff? Um, so we uh, visited and toured a recycling facility that's called a MRF, M-R-F. Um, so see if your city has one of those, they do them once a month and they have different options for different ages of, of, of people. And so that'll really show you why is it important to not put small stuff? Why is it important to not put plastic bags? That kind of thing. Um, so that's a really fun tour. Um, we toured a styrofoam place that I, that I talked about too. So if there's someone like that, that's on kind of a smaller business that would show you how their stuff works, that's another good one. Uh, we also toured a landfill. There's one that was about 45 minutes south of where we are, kind of near Mount Rainier area. 
Um, and that's another one just to see what happens with stuff that we dump. And so there you see big trucks dump stuff and you see other trucks roll over it and just jam it in the ground. And um, you see up close, there's bald eagles, there's deer, there's people that live nearby. And so as we're sending more and more stuff there, um, we're just going to run out of space. Um, and so I think that's like those types of tours or things that you can, can do with your kids that can kind of give them new appreciation for why their actions matter. Yeah, I love that so much. And actually, since becoming a Ridwell customer, it's been really fascinating because, again, I'll put pictures in the show notes from this episode so folks can see what it looks like. Your guys' branding, by the way, is amazing. It's like, it looks kind of like a box the milkman would deliver to, and it just has like these cute pictures, and it's just, it's really fun. And my four-year-old has just gotten so into it because inside there is a bag for each of the categories they always collect, light bulbs, batteries, plastic film, and clothing. And it's been so fun for him to be able to recognize things in the house that go in there and start putting them into each of those bags. Like he's become the organizer of our Ridwell box. And the other thing that I love that I think people could actually replicate at home, but is to come up with a category that they're going to work on for like a two week period. You guys naturally do that by saying like, we're collecting small electronics right now, or we're collecting wine corks or whatever it is. But then enlisting your kids to be like, Hey, this week we're focused on this because we're going to go deliver it to the grocery store. Um, Mm -hmm. And making a game out of that has been such a cool way to just be more conscientious as a family, but also have the conversation with my kids. Because of course, they are the ones who are going to be impacted by the work that we do now, ultimately, right? Definitely. And I think laying that baseline is just so important and something that I've been really inspired by in working with Ridwell and then having these conversations, just like, how can I teach them better so that they'll do better? Like things that I haven't been doing perfectly, right? So I would love for you, I know that all of you listening are not from Seattle. Um, That said, Ridwell is a really cool company and I want you to hear about exactly what they're doing because one, there's a chance that they might, you know, come your way someday. And also I just think there's a lot that all of us can learn from this. So Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about Ridwell and where people can learn more, even if they're maybe not in the Seattle area, but want to see what you guys are up to? Absolutely. So you can go to amy.getridwell.com. Um, and we've actually created a special offer where your listeners can get a month added to their account if, if they do that. Um, and so then you'll learn about how our service works. And so as, as Amy mentioned, there's four categories that we give you a bag for that we do every two weeks. Those are batteries, light bulbs, plastic film, and threads, which is clothing and shoes. Um, we give you bags for those. We give you a bin, and it is very much like the milk company that you might have seen in, in, in your hometown. Um, same bin manufacturer that, that they use. And so you put that oftentimes on your porch, and then every two weeks, um, if you have a bag full or you have this fifth category that we talk some about, you would put it in your bin. We'll come by, we'll get it, and we'll leave you the empty bags. Um, it's a subscription um, as low as $10 a month. Um, and we've seen people, uh, you know, save lots and lots of time and, 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 uh, you know, help out, uh, the planet and their community at the same time. I know for me too, like, I'm just, you wouldn't know by looking at my house, but I'm kind of ruthless. Like I hate storing things that I don't need. You talked about the storage room, which is something I'm like always trying to move things out. So the idea that I don't have to collect batteries for a year to make it worth my time to go find the battery recycling area has been really like liberating for my mind that already has enough things to think about. Yeah, definitely. And we, and we wanted to, to uh, we, we think people aspire to, to be that way, right? And so that's why we do it every two weeks rather than, you know, you spend an entire weekend and you call one in her gut junk and they take an entire truck full. Uh, we hope to make it so people don't need to do that. 
by doing it throughout the year where we can help them declutter and get rid of things the right way um, continuously. Awesome. I love that. So one of the things that we try to do at the end of each episode is give people like an action item, something that they can take from what they learned and really like go make change or do something that is going to get them closer to how they want to be. So I'm curious, Ryan, if you have one thing that you think every family could start doing today to create less waste or get better at recycling. I would say plastic film would be the one. And that's with Ridwell, that's by far our most used category. Um, It's one that in most cities, there's an option to take places to. Um, And it's something that once you realize what it is, it's it's really everywhere. So as you mentioned, you know, find a bag and just start collecting all that stuff. Put your air pillows in that bag. Put your Ziploc bags in that bag. Put your cereal liner bags in that bag. And just start to see how much of it you're collecting. Uh, Because by doing it that way, you're not harming recycling. A lot of people try to recycle those types of things, and it harms the system uh, dramatically. And it's also not being buried in a landfill either. It's actually being used to a domestic recycler. So um, because it's so common, because there are options in in most communities, that's one that I think all families can do and and really start to see the, the impact they're having. Awesome. I love that so much. And by the way, my Ridwell bag was full of plastic film almost right away. So I can attest to the fact that it is like a heavily utilized recycling option. And it's something that we have more of than I necessarily realize. So I think that folks listening are going to be surprised as well. If you guys do this, if you start your plastic film recycling bag, will you take a picture and tag me on Instagram? It's just at cooking with a full plate. I would love to see this in action. Maybe show me your kid helping you with it. Of course, supervised because plastic bags. Um, But um, that would be amazing to start seeing how people are doing this all throughout the country, whether they have access to Ridwell or not, and how you have been inspired to just try and create less waste that ends up in that landfill for an forever and ever when it could otherwise be utilized in a different way. So Ryan, thank you. I seriously learned so much from this. I'm going to put together a printable of those three rules that you shared with us that folk, so that folks can go download that and put it up in their kitchen. And hopefully it will remind them and I'll put some little pictures so it can remind their kids to what they're checking for. Because I love this idea of using those three rules to really make sure that you are not aspirationally recycling, but actually recycling and that you are getting your kids involved. I'm really appreciative for your time today. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great talking with you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Yay! Thank you.